Amen, amen. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Bridge family. How y'all doing this morning? Good, good to see you in the place. All of you that are worshiping with us online and everybody here in person, we're glad to see you. I just want to just re-emphasize what Pastor Ethan said about annual vision night. It's the one time a year that we get to come together um, as a family. Um, There's sometimes people that you might not even know because we do have two worship gatherings that go to your church. And how cool would it be for you to be out and about in the city and you know, oh, that's, that's one of my brothers and my sisters here at the Bridge Church. It's kind of like a family reunion. That's why you have one. Your family get big, you know who your kinfolk is, right? That's, that's what we do. So I just want to encourage you next week, 4 o'clock, in the place. It's going to be a lot of fun. I just want to encourage you again to make sure that you're there. Amen? Amen. Did I mention there's going to be some food there? You know, <laughs> y'all know how much I like food, so, you know, amen. Well, listen, um, my wife and I, God bless our souls, on our fourth teenage driver, okay? We done made it, man. We, done, we on our last one right now. This is our last one. Teenage driver, 16. And then if y'all know, those are some very, very faith-filled times. In fact, some of y'all know you need to right now. Some of y'all especially know you need to text or tell that person who helped you learn how to drive, thank, thank you, Jesus, for you in my life, all right? You blessed my soul. I didn't know how much faith it took for you to help me out, all right? Driving is, is something else, learning how to drive. I mean, some of y'all to this day, you probably still hate parallel parking. Some of y'all are so glad that that wasn't part of your driving exam or your test. I'm from the old school when I learned how to drive back in the 90s that I had to parallel park, you know. So I was park, parking big trucks and all kind of stuff so I could be ready for that moment. Um, some of y'all hate backing into spaces and things of that nature. And, and, uh, and here's a big one. Did y'all know that the left lane actually is for passing people. If you really want to be a blessing in the world, pass people in the left lane. If you're going 90 miles per hour in the left lane and somebody coming up behind you going 120, move on over. They got somewhere to go. It's important. Let them go. All right? We can do a whole sermon series on the left lane is for passing, but we ain't going to do it. We ain't going to do it. But one of, one of the most meticulous things and one of the things that's probably the most calculated when you're trying to teach somebody is this thing called merging into the highway, right? The principle behind merging onto the highway is that you are supposed to match the speed of the traffic on the highway, right? So that means that if the speed limit is 70, by the time you get onto the highway, you need to be going close to 70, right? Not 35, it's almost as if some people think that the traffic should merge to them instead of them merging to the traffic. In the same way, you're supposed to go with the flow of the traffic. The traffic is moving. The traffic is a movement. That's why it's called the highway. It's, it's moving. It's going forward. God's will, God's way is similar to that. God is like that. God is on the move. The church has been on the move for a very long time. It has not stopped. Our God is not dead. God is still saving people. God is still moving. He's on the move. And here's the thing. If you're going to merge into what God is doing, that means that it's not about you trying to make God submit to your will, your way, and your timing. It's you submitting your will, your way, and your timing to God. Amen? Because here's the thing. We need God to move. Like, it's not just like, oh, this is a cool thing to do to submit my will to God. No. 
You know you need God to move. I know I need God to move in my life personally. I've been knowing Jesus for many years, but I still need God to move in my life. I look at my family. I'm like, Lord, I need you to move in my family. Some of y'all know you need God to move in your family. You look at your family and you say, God, I need you to move. I, need, I, need, I want to see them submit to your will and your way and your timing. We look in our city. You look at your jobs. You, we need God to move. But here's the question, and this is the title of the sermon today. Are you ready for a move? And we're going to finish up this passage here in Acts 1, 12 through 26. And um, as we do this, let's just let me start off with a question. Who here <laughs> likes or loves to move? Okay? Now, notice I didn't say who likes to get ready to move. Because the truth of the matter is we all love to move. Once you've decided that it's time to move, once you've prayed and once you've figured out that moving, it, moving is an exciting thing to do. Because it, it, it's exciting to be able to, to move into another direction or to move here and to move there. But getting ready for the move, oh, man, that's a whole other can of beans, right? Because it always has its challenges. No, some of y'all are like, man, if I could just say I want to move and somebody come in and do everything and box everything, I'm, I'm good with it. But y'all know, oh, my God, when you think about everything that has to happen to get ready for that move, it can be tough. I would love to believe the immortal words of the prophetess Beyonce. When she said, I woke up like this, I woke up like this, flawless. You know, I admit, Beyonce, I'm sorry, I, I didn't wake up like this. I got flaws. It, when it, these 44-year-old bones got up this morning the way I was walking, and then I, I got to warm up, all right? The things have changed, okay? Some of y'all know that, too, because some of y'all didn't wake up like that. Y'all, it was some work to get y'all to that place, right? You had to get ready for what was getting ready to take place. And see, Jesus, in the same way, has promised to these disciples that I'm going to send power through a person named the Holy Spirit. He has just spent 40 days breaking down to them, this is the kingdom of God, and then this is the helper, this is the spirit of God. So we actually spent the last two weeks talking about those two things, the kingdom of God, Pastor Ethan broke that down, and then last week we talked about the spirit of God. So you need to understand, if you want God to move in your life, you need to know what the kingdom is about. You need to also know that the, who the Spirit of God is, why he's here, his function in your life, even before you became a Christian, when you became a Christian, how you listen to him, what you know about him. This is what we desire for you to know, because if you want to be on the move and if you're going to yield to what God has promised, this is what you got to know. All right. And this is what we understand about the highway that we're connecting to, this movement that we're connecting to through God. We understand that the destination on this highway is the kingdom of God. The engine is the spirit of God, but the vehicle is what? The church. It's us. This is the way that God is going to accomplish his will and his kingdom and move through his spirit. He uses us, the church. So this is where we are. So we're going to jump into this passage, look at verse 12, and um, we're going to pull some things from this on how we can get ready for this move. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they entered, they went up to the upper room. Okay. What is the upper room? The upper room is a place of assembly, study, and prayer. It's a place that you get away from all the noise on the street. It's, it's actually a really huge room. That they went into, and they went there to have time alone with God. Some, some scholars even think this, this was the same place 
where the Last Supper was, okay? This is where they were staying. This is what it says. Peter and John and James, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These are all the apostles. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with women. There are women present here with the apostles. These are bold women that have been following Jesus all throughout his ministry the entire time. They were there when he died. They were there. They were there when he resurrected. They, they were there. They've been supporting him and they've been supporting his followers all this time, okay? Then it says Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then it says this. It leads us this. It says, and his brothers. So these are Jesus' biological brothers, if you will. Now, if you know something about his brothers, if you look back in John um, 7, you, you can look at that in your own time, the first 10 verses, we realize that Jesus' brothers didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Because you wouldn't either if your, your big brother told you that he was God. Y'all be like, yeah, right. Some of y'all just y'all laughing because y'all can think about your big brother saying that right now. All right. But they did come to believe that he was Lord and that, oh, this is not just some regular dude. Like this is he was Lord. Right. So they're present and they're making notice of that. I want you to see who's in the room. OK. I want you to see who's in the room. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Verse 15, it says, in those days, Peter stood up. Now, when I read this, I'm just going to be honest. The first time I read this, I thought about that. I tried to put myself there. I'm like. Peter stood up. Would you listen to someone stand up and talk if just a little over 43 days ago they denied Jesus? Not one time, not two times, but three times. Would you follow their leadership? Why are they even following his leadership here? I think the reason why is because Peter's weaknesses were revealed. And although your strengths attract people to you, it's actually when your weaknesses that are revealed and if they're submitted to Jesus in community with Jesus, that's when people actually connect with you. So Peter actually is a better leader now because Jesus prophesied to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But it it didn't just stop there. He said, but I pray for you because the devil wants to sift you as wheat. And when you get yourself back together, Peter, strengthen your brothers. So they got a chance to watch Peter in his weakness. So everybody knows he, this is the one that denied Jesus, the one that's the leader, the one that talks the most. He denied Jesus, but they also watched Jesus reinstate him. They watched him spend 43 days with Jesus. So that's a word for us. That's a word for me as a leader. You know, it's not about me trying to hide my flaws. It's not about me um, trying not to show you my weaknesses. But do I submit my weaknesses to Jesus and, and with accountability of the people that's around me? I just want to encourage you in that way. And it says he stood up among the brothers, the company of a persons in, in all about 120 people, 120 people in this room. OK, that's probably a little bit um, similar to, to the amount of people in here. So just imagine this for a moment. All right. And then it says and and said, brothers, the scripture has to be, had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. This is even more proof that the Bible was co-authored. It was not just written by men, but by men as they were inspired by the Spirit of God. Okay? And it said, the Holy Spirit spoke through David concerning Judas, 
who became a God to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in, in this ministry. Verse 18, now this man acquired a field with the, with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Mm. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Alkadama, that is field of blood. Verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, and he quotes Psalm 69, 25, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. Then he also quotes Psalm 109, 8, let another take his office. Verse 21, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice. And I'm convinced that this brother's from the country because he got three names. All right. <laughs> Bo, Billy, John, John. I'm like, what? I don't even know your real name. What's your real name, man? All right. So, so he got three names and Matthias, okay? Matthias got one name. All right. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So after all that seriousness, there was a lottery that took place. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the lottery today, so y'all just get ready. All right? So why is this passage even in this account? I mean, could, did we have to have this? In there, you know, this, this is pretty, it's actually it's a fairly short account. It doesn't seem like it's a lot of information in there that we necessarily need. But I believe that Jesus wanted this in there. I believe that the Holy Spirit wanted this in there because I think he wanted to show how his followers were getting ready for what was promised. So I'm going to let the cat out of the bag next week. Chapter 2, when we get to chapter 2, the Spirit of God is coming, okay? So the Spirit of God hasn't come yet. But this is what they're doing to get ready. So what's all, that's what I want to spend the next few minutes of us uh, talking about today, how to get ready for a move, how to get ready for a move. Here's the first thing that you need to do to get ready for a move. You need to trust God's win. Okay, in other words, trust God's timing. The old saint said he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but what? He'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. What that means is that you are trusting his timing and not yours. Do you know that Jesus, when he told them to go and wait, go somewhere and wait, he said, wait. He said, don't leave and wait. He didn't tell them the exact time. He didn't tell them the exact place. He just said, I need y'all to go and wait. I need you to trust me. Now, how many of y'all know that waiting actually builds your faith? In James, it says, let patience have her perfect work. Let patience complete something in you. See, the, thing, the reason why wait, waiting builds your faith is because when you have to wait, it means that there is something that's completely outside of your ability. There's something that's completely outside of your timing. There's something about waiting that's completely outside of your strength, Right? If you go to a really good restaurant 
and, 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 and they, can, they can make some food like you can't make, you're going to wait as long as it takes. Why? Because it's outside of your ability. <laughs> it's outside of your timing, right? It's outside of all that. If you, if you go to an amusement park, Lord help us. Some of y'all might go this summer, but if you go to one this summer and there's some long lines, you're going to be sitting there waiting. Why? Because it's nothing you can do. But the thing is, in that waiting, I don't want you to waste that. This is why when we wait, we mess things up if we begin to start to try to do things in our own strength. Okay? Two, here, here are two ways to mess up your waiting. All right? One is through impatience. Impatience means I'm tired of doing things your way, Lord, and I'm going to do it my way. Impatience is how many of us got caught up into a lot of things that we shouldn't have got caught up into. Some of us, sex outside of marriage because you didn't trust that God said he would do what he said he was going to do. You didn't trust his way. We didn't trust his way. Some of us, we don't trust that God is the Prince of Peace, so we end up going to alcohol, we go to drug, we go to substance abuse, because we, want, we become impatient with God instead of trusting God in that moment. But then some, some of us is impatience, and some of us is the other end of the spectrum. Some of us is passivity. We use waiting as an excuse to not do anything at all. We say, you know what, I'm, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. But how many of y'all know that a waiter is a person that is not absent of action? That's why they're called a waiter. They're actually serving, but they do it in a way where it's very humble. A good waiter is not somebody that does not do anything. That's why even when the scripture says those that wait on the Lord, it's not talking about those that do nothing for the Lord. It's basically those who serve the Lord, those who are humbled by the Lord, those who are waiting because it actually helps you build your trust in him. So let me give you a practical suggestion out of this, okay? What is your waiting place? Where, where, where is your waiting place? In other words, where do you go to hear from God? Where do you go to build trust? And I'm not talking about a physical place all the time. I'm talking, where do you have to go to get away from all the noise? Where is your upper room where you can fellowship? But let's take it to another level. Not only where is your waiting place, but who are your people? Who are the people that you're waiting with? Okay, because listen, in this account, they, get, they go to the upper room, but it's 120 people in there. There's men and women who over the last three years, lives have, who have been radically changed by the gospel. They've been radically changed by Jesus Christ's ministry. There's people in this room that, would, that normally would never, ever have any association with one another that are now testifying and telling you about who Jesus is. Just like the testimony that we heard earlier about from Miss Green brought me to tears because I'm thinking about, like, look at what Jesus did. Who are your people? Do you know that testimony? Have you heard them talk about it? Have you heard Jesus begin to explain, like, how even now, yeah, he saved me back then, but he's saving me now. He's changing me right now. He's working some things in me right now. This is the conversation that's happening in this waiting place. Are y'all tracking with me? There's 120 people here. In verse 14, it says they're on one accord. 
because they're, they're marveling. They're talking about the kingdom. They're like, man, can you imagine what will happen? Can you, Jesus promised all these things, man, and, and they're sitting here on one accord. They're praying and they're believing God. And listen, I thank God for my place and I thank God for my people. I thank God for the people, the men and women in my life that still speak into my life. I know their testimony. They, they know y'all. Some of these people know y'all and been praying for y'all, but y'all don't know them. Okay? Those are, the, those are the kind of people that you want in your life, especially in the waiting place. All right? When you're trusting God when something has not happened just yet. Then in verse 15, we see from the waiting and the praying, Peter now is led from an old passage from Psalm, he's led to deal with the current problem. Don't you love how the word, even though it's old and even though it's been around, it's still good for you right now? That, 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 that's, what, that's what's happening here. He's trusting God's wind, but now he's going to trust God's word. That's the second thing. Trust God's timing, but trust God's word. Take God at his word, church. Take God at his word. Now, here's the thing. I've heard people say this all the time. They say, hey, we're in the most scripturally illiterate times that we've ever been in. People don't know God's word. You need to know his promises so that you can believe him and trust him for his promises. When was the last time you went before God with one of his promises? When was the last time you said, Lord, I believe that you're going to give strength to the weary and increase power? To those that are weak, out of Isaiah 40, verse 29. That's a promise. Do, do you believe that he'll give you direction when you don't know which way to go if you trust and submit to him and lean not to your own understanding? That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You got to know what God is saying. Do, do, do you know that ultimately what Jesus wants is for every tribe, every tongue, every nation, to all come together to worship him. That's the reason why we strive to be a multi-ethnic church is because we're believing a promise of God, not just because we want diversity. This is what God promised. This is, this is what we see. So it ain't, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to believe it and trust it so you end up doing it. Okay? And that's what's happening in this passage. Because here's the, here's the problem. If you, know, if you know the word, but you don't do the word, then what, what is that? What is that? It's just almost like saying, I know Jesus, but I don't trust Jesus. I know Jesus, but I don't really want to obey Jesus. And see, what you got to understand is while Peter is praying, he's hearing these testimonies, he's hearing they're on one accord and they're sitting here and they're doing that, he, so he, something comes back to his mind. He recalls probably what Jesus said in Matthew 19 or, or Luke 22 because he said there's a problem. Because Jesus said there's going to be 12 thrones that was represented by these 12 apostles. There's going to be 12 thrones, um, and there's only 11 apostles present. So he reveals to him a prophecy from the Holy Spirit through David, and now that he's read the word, he's now compelled to some action. We got to do something about this. So he put some things into action. And I tell my kids and tell people this all the time. I'm like, I'd rather you take two verses and put that into action than know the whole Bible and do none of it. All right. And this is what he's doing. And the reason why he's doing this, y'all, is because Judas's sin left some holes. 
Sin puts holes in ministry. We even sang a song earlier where we were like, you know, there were some holes in our heart, but Jesus came to make you whole. W-H-O-L-E. He came to make you whole because sin leaves holes in leadership. Sin leaves holes in ministry. Sin leaves holes in families. All right? And if you don't deal with it, if you don't deal with sin, it, it can destroy you and it can definitely disconnect people. So Peter is now compelled to do this. And, and here's the thing. And I, I, I need you to understand something. Sometimes people will defect from the faith. And they usually defect over things like greed, like pride, like sexual immorality, idols, things that they want to worship over God, even when they make good things, God things, and they end up worshiping these things. And I'm going to tell you something. These things never, ever, ever live up to their expectations. They were never meant to be God. They were never meant for you to worship. They will never fulfill you. They will never make you whole. And Judas learned this the hard way. And what you got to understand is that I'm sure when this happened, because none of them saw it coming, only Jesus, it probably left them traumatized, confused, and hurt, just like sins left many of us traumatized, confused, and hurt. But you can't let the defection create an infection. And I know I need to stay there for a moment because some of you here have deeply been impacted by sin. It might be somebody even in here today that's your first time back in church because you've been hurt so bad in the church. You've been hurt so much by the in infection that you just, you, you just strayed away. And I want you to know that, that, that God loves you. Because let me, let me help you understand something. And I've said this before. God can use people and God will use people. And when God used those people, he knew what he was doing. But here's what you have to understand, okay? God will use people to even lay hands on you and bring physical healing to your body. But if that person defects, you need to remember that he is actually the healer. Can I, can I keep going? God can use people to encourage you. Might even, lead, might even use them to speak the word in your life where you come to faith in Christ. That person defects, but you need to remember that he is the wonderful counselor. That there might be somebody in here today who somebody interceded for you. I mean, they were crying and praying for you, and you knew it was from the Lord, and they defected from the faith. But you need to remember that he's always at the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying for you. There's been some people I've seen God used mightily to be peacemakers and to bring peace in situations where there wasn't peace. And then they defect from the faith and raise all kind of stuff, all right, in people's life. But I still remember that Jesus is the prince of peace. Here's what I need you to get. Even sin can't stop the move of God. Let me tell you the good news about that. None of us would be saved if sin could stop the movement of God. Jesus overcame sin and death on our behalf. He became sin on the cross. He took the penalty of our shame. He took our ignorance. He took everything on himself. And if you put your trust in him, you will be forgiven because God poured his wrath out on his only son. 
Sin can't stop the movement of God. And for some of y'all, y'all, Judas thought he was too far gone. I'm telling you right now, nobody is too far gone. We see this because Peter also betrayed Jesus, right? He denied him. But he wasn't too far gone. He's now standing up in God's grace bringing about this. So this leads to our final reminder. Trust God's wind, trust God's word, but also trust God's way. Trust God's way, church. Look at verse 24. It says, and they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all. Thank you, Jesus. Show which one of these two you've chosen to take the place in this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fellow Matthias, he, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So they prayed, and then they played, all right? I'm like, man, what just happened here? What just happened? Some of y'all was like, this is the part I've been waiting for, Pastor Chris. I knew the lottery. I know that pick six was in the Bible. All right, and I thank you today. Today you gave me the numbers I needed, them six numbers. You said Acts 1, verse 12 and 26, and today is 5.30.31. So I got, my, I got my six numbers. Thank you, Pastor Chris. It's blessing from the Lord. I'm sorry to inform you that uh, God's intention is not for you to win the lottery, okay? You know, if you want to win and you want to get me some um, gift cards to catch or, and uh, some other places, I'll take it, though. Um, um, but that's not God's intention here, all right? That, that's not his intention. In fact, what you need to understand historically is where the lots, these are straws or dice, these lots, you need to understand that these things have a very precious history with Israel. I could name at least about seven to ten accounts. I'm going to name two of them because I picked the two that I, I like the most. All right. One of them was with Jonah. All right. Y'all remember Jonah? Jonah's the prophet that is going, uh, that God is told to go to Nineveh, but he don't want to go because he hates them so much. So he goes his own direction. And then uh, what happens is before he gets swallowed up by the whale, there's this account with the lots. And here's the thing. The practice of the lots, the straws, seeing where they fall, is a pagan practice. It's an ungodly practice. It's not something that God orchestrated. It's something that ungodly people did. Okay? Keep that in mind. So they're on the boat. The sea is raging. It's the craziest storm they've ever seen in their life. They're like, what in the world is going on? There must be something spiritual going on. So they take these little straws and they throw them out. It falls on Jonah. And they're like, what's up? And he was like, what did you do? He's like, yeah, it's me. I messed up. I ain't following God. Throw me off the boat and everything will be all right. And they threw him off the boat. Everything was okay. It's like, what in the world? All right. So it was like the straws were being used to even call out Jonah and his, a godly person in their sin. All right. That's what ended up happening in that situation. But you see God using it. But the story that I like the most is out of Esther. Okay. We, we preached a whole series on Esther. It was a really good series. We learn a lot about God's moving um, in, that, in, that, in, that, um, in that book because it is one of the few books in the Bible, interestingly enough, where God's name is not even mentioned one time, but he's all over it. And I think you're going to see that a little bit reflected even in what you saw happen in this passage, all right? But long story short, a brother named Haman, who is evil, who wants to annihilate all the Jews, uses the dice to figure out what day he's going to annihilate them. And he rolls the dice and the date actually ends up becoming the date of the same as the Passover. 
And, and if you know, without going into a lot of detail, but in the Passover, there was an account where Pharaoh wanted to annihilate everybody, and God ended up reversing the curse. They wanted to annihilate them, and then God ended up annihilating Pharaoh and everybody else. And the same thing happened in the book of Esther because Haman wants to eliminate Mordecai and all the Jews, but Haman actually ends up being the person. So what you got to understand is this. They even see when things like dice and things like lots are being used, they believe that God is sovereign over that. They trust in God's way. Look at, look at Proverbs 16, verse 33. This is how you know it because they put it in their scripture. They said the lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. So when they prayed and then they cast lots, they weren't trusting in the lots. They were trusting in God's provision. They were trusting in God's help. They were like this. They were like, if he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it before, he can do it again. It's a firm belief in doing doing things God's way. So two things you need to understand about the lots before you get too carried away with it. One thing is this. The first thing is that they didn't go to the lottery first. They were seeking God. They were seeking his word. They were seeking his time, and they were seeking all those things. Then they went to the lottery. Second thing is this. We actually don't see the lots used anymore after this. You know why? Because next week, Pastor Ethan got a chance to preach on chapter 2, so I'm a little bit jealous. Because the Spirit of God is coming. And they don't need lots anymore because the Helper is coming. The Helper is coming to guide them. The Helper is coming to show them how to walk. The Helper is coming to show them how to talk. The Helper is coming to bring to remembrance what God is doing. The Helper is revealing to them even the deep things of God. The Spirit is coming. Someone better in a better way. So church, listen. I want you to trust God's wind. I want you to trust God's word. Definitely want you to trust God's way because the whole point is for our faith to grow. That's the whole point. In the waiting, you should grow. Now, I'm going to close here. I remember the first time as a kid I was able to use binoculars. I thought I had a superpower. Taking those binoculars and being able to see, I was like, I can see things that other people just can't see. If you ever been in a parade, especially a long parade, or if you ever been in the nosebleed sections of an, of an arena before they put screens up, you need a binoculars to even see anything, all right? You're like, why am I even here at this game? I can't see. I might as well be on top of the Empire State Building, all right? But here's the thing. With those binoculars, what's so amazing is that you can see things that are far off. And you can tell your kids, because they're, they're at the parade and they're waiting, when is, when is it going to happen? When is this going to take place? When is it? You got your binoculars and you're looking at Listen, look, I know you can't see it, but I promise that it's coming. There's a move that's coming. See, let me tell you something. We have a God that doesn't need binoculars because he's the alpha and he's the omega. He is the beginning and the end. And he's standing here. So when the Alpha and Omega is talking, when the Alpha and Omega has made a promise to you, when the Alpha and Omega has told you that it's coming, let me, you can trust him that it's coming. So this is what I need you to do. I, even when you can't see it, I need you to trust him. Even when you can't feel it, 
I need you to trust him. Even when you see people defecting from the faith, you still trust him. Because God promised that he was going to do it. So church, can we trust him in our waiting? Can we trust him? Pray with me. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to put all of our trust in you, not some of our trust. But God, we want to give you our eyes. We want to give you our lips. We want to give you our our wallets. We want to give you our, our time. God, we want to give it all to you, Lord, because you're a better God. Your way is better. God, we... Even though it doesn't feel like it, your timing is better, God. Help us to put our trust in you. Give us patience, Lord. The fruit of your spirit. Help us to patiently wait. Help it work out those things in us, Lord, that we can become more like you. God, and we promise to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.